Again, I am so glad to uh, see all of you here this morning. Just so uh, such an honor uh, to be able to be with the, the body of Christ today, uh, and it's an honor for me to be able to uh, stand before you and, and to be able to present some thoughts. And uh, I'm always thankful for the chances that I have. Uh, we want to pray for uh, Webster family as they head back uh, after Grant and Rebecca's wedding yesterday, and we pray that pray for that couple, pray for that family as they return. Had so many titles for this sermon this week, and I don't know that I even have a title for it. So we're just going to uh, to delve right in. Uh, as as I began uh, with the, the brief thought at the beginning, I hope that you're thinking about your identity uh, as, uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, uh, but just as a person, who, who you really are uh, on the inside. And we, we understand that sometimes that person uh, can look a little different. Uh, the person that we present can at times look a little bit different uh, than the person that is inside. And uh, there are labels that people get because of, of things like that. And I, I want us to think this morning about what we see when we look at ourselves and what others see when they look at us and when they look at the church uh, and how that all works together uh, to, to present uh, what we want to present to others in the world uh, and as, as we seek to accomplish our mission as Christians and bring people to Christ, uh, how, how do those things affect one another? Uh, R.J. read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, and, and I want us to think about that as we start, but, but I, want, I, want, I want to begin with two, two thoughts that will kind of uh, introduce the direction that we're going to go. And the first thought is that it's not okay to accept our sins to the extent that we just embrace them, that we just excuse them and we live in them and we, we allow them to be a part of who we are. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll say things like, well, we all sin and we say that because God says it. Uh, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we aren't to accept those sins in this way, to embrace them and just say, well, it is what it is and, and it's okay for me to walk in those sins. And of course, a big difference between walking in a sin and occasionally stumbling out of weakness, and we'll talk about that a little more. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, there's, there's that list, and it's, un, it's uncomfortable to read and, and there are things in there that we, you know, maybe we, we like to uh, kind of brush over. And then, especially, there are sins in that list that we would absolutely be mortified to share with others. Or it would be such a big deal if, if something like this, uh, maybe even from your past, came up that, that you had engaged in one or some of these these wrongs. But, but that may be part of the problem that, that we are so afraid to admit that we have struggled or that we struggle. 
uh, that we hold back and, and we then in turn put up a facade of who we really are because we don't want to damage our influence. And, however, and this is the second thing, in, in our, it's in our recognition of our sins, our struggles, our weaknesses, that we find opportunities to draw closer to God and draw closer to our Christian family. So we're not to accept our sins, to embrace them, to, to, to be those sins, but in embracing the fact that we have struggles, uh, we may find some of the greatest opportunities to draw closer to each other and to the Lord. So as we think about being honest about our struggles, about, about airing out our issues before other people, one thing that may creep into our minds uh, is that when people out there or in here, when people learn about a mistake that you, a Christian, have made, they may just bring up that cringeworthy label, hypocrite. Because after all, you're a Christian, and therefore you cannot do these things. You cannot have this struggle or that because you're a Christian. But, but we know that there's, that there's folly in, in that idea. And again, uh, we, we need to understand uh, what it is that God expects from us and, and be that. And, and that's, that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today. But, but we've all been there. This awkward place where we aren't sure what to say because the, the church comes up in a conversation or some post on social media and someone says something like this. Well, I used to go to church or I would never go to church or to this church or that because there are just too many hypocrites there. And they might qualify that accusation with a story like, well, I, I go to work with a guy who claims to be a Christian, um, but I have heard him let a cuss word slip here and there. And, uh, you know, he apologized, but he's still a hypocrite because he says he's a Christian. Um, or there's a woman I know who's a Christian, but she lied to, uh, lied to a friend of mine last week. And so she, she's a hypocrite. She, she can't. Um, she can't be a faithful Christian. Or I know Christians and they don't always act like Christians. Therefore, they're hypocrites. And they're, that, that means I don't want any part of, of what they have to offer. But, but let's think about what it is to be a hypocrite for a moment before we move on. And, and uh, a few definitions that I, I read. One was that a hypocrite is someone who does something he says he does not do. And, uh, and, and further, uh, as I thought about that further, and as I read about the group of people whom Jesus referred to as hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees, um, it's not always just doing something you say you don't do or not doing something that you say you do, but it's about being something that we claim we are not or not being something that we claim we are. Um, outside, people from the outside looking into the church see people who profess to be Christians. They observe that we do sin and, and since they see sin in our lives, they rush to judge 
And they say, well, that must mean these people are hypocrites because they say they are followers of Jesus, yet they sin. But what's missing here in the recipe for a hypocrite is the claim to be without sin. See, if a person's not claiming that they aren't, that if a person's not claiming perfection, then when they are imperfect, they're not a hypocrite because they've not been something that they claim not to be. Uh, one of the primary factors uh, in, in the common labeling of a Christian as a hypocrite is misinformation about what a hypocrite is and, and about the fact that Christians don't generally claim to be innocent. Now some out there, you can probably find someone who says that they are and they, they take that pharisaical route of, uh, of, of putting forth this facade of being ultra-righteous or ultra-spiritual. But Christians generally, in my experience, claim to be guilty but forgiven. We claim to be uh, to stumble but to have uh, justification through Christ in our lives. Uh, we, we look at, again, look at the uh, problem of hypocrisy in the New Testament. And we see it clearly displayed in the lives of those who claim to be the most righteous. The Pharisees were a group of people who, who seemingly saw themselves as separated from the normal sinfulness of the world, outside or above this regular sinfulness that most people most people uh, possess or, or do. And, and the Pharisees began well. They began in a place of, of um, seeking a, a life of devoted godliness. They were trying so hard to submit to the law of God, but when their behavior failed those high ideals... They were left with a decision, and unfortunately, they, they decided to pretend they were more righteous than they were. They, 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 gave, this, they gave in to this outward facade of righteousness, with, with, uh, which only concealed the corruption in, in their lives. And so, this is, as we think about hypocrites, we have to understand that there's, there is a, uh, a misleading about the the being of that person. There's an attempt to mislead about who, who they really are. And, and so it's that that we have to guard against. It's those kinds of things that we have to be careful about. So Matthew 23, read, uh, and, and these are probably familiar to you, but, but about the Pharisees. Jesus said, Woe to you, Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. So these Pharisees were so, uh, they were so zeroed in on these little details about the sacrifices and about doing exactly outwardly what would appear to be most Christ-like. But then they weren't just, they, they weren't merciful to people. Uh, they, they didn't love, they didn't care, they, didn't, they weren't on the inside what they were striving so hard to show on the outside. You blind guides, he says, straining out, out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside 
They are full of greed and self-indulgence. First, he said, clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may also be clean. So the problems with these people ran very deep. Uh, they, they were inward heart problems that, that presented or penetrated every aspect of their lives. It wasn't just that they stumbled in sin and people zeroed in on that and, and then accused them of, of being hypocrites. No, they were because they, they tried to show a false righteousness. But inside they were full of, another place, they were full of dead men's bones, like, like whitewashed tombs, Jesus would say, uh, about them. So if when you are honest with yourself, you see these tendencies in your life, you see that on the outside, you're, you're trying to look like a Christian. You don't want anyone to know about what you do in secret or who you are outside of these walls. Then those are the dangerous things. Those are the things that Jesus was warning against and condemning in the lives of these Pharisees and uh, these scribes, these Sadducees. So what are your motives for doing good? These are questions that you might ask to determine your uh, on which side of this thing you stand. What are you hiding about who you really are? Um, and what, um, what, if, what if initially, and I thought about this regarding the Pharisees today, what if initially their motive was to preserve their influence? Well, I, I, can't, I can't let people see the imperfections because these lost people out there need to see that I am someone who can be trusted spiritually, that what I tell them can be trusted. And so what if their motives began uh, in a noble fashion, but it quickly uh, found its way to something, uh, something dark, uh, something that God never intended for it to be. So we think about this list, and, and we think about this in 1 Corinthians 6, this list of sins, though, that... that that Paul said in verse 11, such were some of you. He lists these things, uh, uh, sexual immorality, homosexual uh, actions, and, and many other wild parties uh, that, that these people would have engaged in all forms of unrighteousness. And Paul says to these Christians, such were some of you. You, some of you walked in these kinds of evils. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. But he says, some of you walked in these very shameful, these A-list uh, sins that, that, that we don't speak about, that we don't confess to each other because we're so scared of what the others might think of us. But he said such were some of you. Now did any of these formerly wicked Christians. Ever stumble again in their old lifestyles. Now obviously we don't know any of them personally. But we know what God has said about the life of a Christian. Uh, we know that in, for us in the New Testament 1 John 1. Uh, that. That John wrote uh, that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And that we, that we, uh, if anyone says he does not sin, 
If we say we do not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And he said again, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. We all still stumble in sin. So when we look at these people who were formerly living in some of these wicked ways, and I ask this question, did any of them ever stumble again in any of those sins? And I have to assume that the answer to that question is yes. If we understand about the nature of our sins, when we have experienced, when we have slipped or even fallen away into some sinful lifestyle, that there are still, there are still uh, tendencies that we have to struggle with those sins. Now, were these people hypocrites because they at times stumbled? Well, perhaps if they lived in those sins while putting on a mask to show the world or to pretend to the world that they were not living in those sins, then yes, they would by definition have been a hypocrite. But many of them would have been faithful Christians who occasionally stumbled in sin just as God knew that we would. A hypocrite walks in darkness and hides that darkness from others while trying to appear righteous. A, a child of God stumbles in darkness still, but reacts with godly sorrow and tries to regain spiritual focus. I'm always touched by Paul's words in Romans 7 uh, when he, he said, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin, or but sin that dwells in me. What I want you to know, I think you already know this. But just in case, and, and, and maybe I want to remind you, is that faithful Christians struggle. Faithful Christians stumble in sin. We are tempted and we fail sometimes. So starting with the fact that faithful Christians are tempted by the darkness of this world, think about the fact that we aren't exempt from even the darkest of desires in the world. Desires that we, uh, we need to combat with uh, meditation on God's Word, with prayer, uh, with preventative actions. You know, we know our own limits many times and we know what kinds of things we don't need to do, places we don't need to be, people that we don't need to associate with. We know a lot of these things and we can prevent a lot of these stumblings if we take the proper precautions. But, but we aren't righteous because we are somehow above temptations. We aren't good because we aren't faced with these dark desires sometimes. And we aren't doing anyone inside or outside of the church any favors by whitewashing over the truth about our imperfections. That's what Jesus said the Pharisees did. They, they 
washed over. They wiped, just as a tomb, they, they whitewashed the tomb on the outside to make it look pretty and tidy and, and neat. But what was inside was death and decay, rotting human flesh and bones. He said, you should have first cleaned the inside and then the outside would be clean. Uh, a song that I love by a group named a group called Reliant K has a line that says, We're all guilty of the same things. We think the thoughts whether or not we see them through. But I know that I've been forgiven. Uh, we, and we don't just think the thoughts, do we? Because sometimes we still struggle. Sometimes we still fail. We fail in the acceptable ways. Uh, and we also fail in ways that are sure to bring shame. Uh, a little deceit, a little cheating that we, that we don't think will hurt anybody. Hating people who deserve to be hated, right? That's, that's generally you know, looked at by the world as okay. Bitter jealousy or, or revenge if we've been wronged. Even the many people in the world will overlook those kinds of things. So, so we're... We're able to escape the label of hypocrite with some of these acceptable things. But, but Christians fail in the big ways as well. Faithful Christians don't embrace sin and allow it to remain a part of their lives. That's what sets us apart. It, it's the, the cleansing from Christ that sets us apart. Who I am hates who I was or who I've been. And who I am still hates some of the things that I do from time to time. But what I am is forgiven. And what I am is free from guilt because of the Savior. Now as it, as it relates to this group in here. The body that, that comes together, that, that, that opens our hearts together to worship our Creator. We have this bond of fellowship. We share so many, so many great things. And, and we, when we come together, I, I want you to know that I understand that we are understandably reluctant to confess to one another that we are in a tough fight against some really ugly temptations. But our reluctance to share our struggles and even admit that we have them, has some adverse effects. And, and I think that it's time for us to, to wake up to that knowledge, to wake up and recognize that hiding or whitewashing over the fact that we struggle, even with ugly, difficult things, uh, sometimes takes away some blessings that, that, we, that we would otherwise have. Do you, do you ever wonder if you're the only person who walks into these doors who feels small or inadequate? Do you ever look around and you wonder, well, am I the only one who, who, who is struggling, is in this battle with darkness? You know, especially, uh, you know, you're looking around and you're thinking everyone else seems so strong that, and that you're one word away or one mistake away from everyone realizing that you do not belong. So in reaction to this fear, 
we actually do what the Pharisees did to an extent. We tuck our struggles neatly away or out of sight and we speak louder about the things you know, that, that we should be doing, that, that we are doing right. And we glaze over uh, those imperfections. Not that we are trying to live in them. I'm not, I'm not calling us hypocrites in this way. But we aren't doing ourselves any favors when we tuck those away out of sight. We, we put up barriers around our weaknesses. We smile to hurt, to hide the hurt that we feel inside. But, but wait, Jesus said some things that are important for us to notice and, and to note here. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5. So I can't help but feel that, that we are shortchanging one another in this area. If we're blessed when we acknowledge how spiritually poor or lost we are without Christ. But then we cover up completely cover up the parts of our lives that humble us the most. How do, how do we receive that blessing? How do we receive that comfort? If we're blessed when we mourn, but we hide the parts of our lives that, lives that cause, cause us to mourn, how can the rest of the body comfort us? And that's what we are, right? We're, we're different parts of the same body. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. <clears throat> the rest of the body should mourn when we mourn, should rejoice when we rejoice. But how can they if we don't share those vulnerable parts of us? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So the body of Christ is a loving body. It's merciful. It's forgiving. Um, Jesus sent Paul to preach to the Gentiles, to us. And he sent him to preach this. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So if you're tormented and you're concealing your imperfections and you're trying to smile through it. Know that healing begins when we step into the light. Yes, when we step into walking in the light with God, but also when we choose to put ourselves out there, to make ourselves vulnerable, and we shine some light on our own imperfections. So... Owning up to our weaknesses can be a great blessing to us in the body of Christ. But, but there's a greater blessing, even greater blessing, that we may miss if we avoid confronting our sinfulness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul recounts the Lord speaking to him in verses 9 and 10. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Sometimes we work so hard to suppress our sins that we can even hide them from ourselves. We convince, we convince ourselves that we're strong enough to handle them. We're strong enough to work through them. But when we do that, we may be hindering Christ from doing one of the most special things He does. He enters our lives and our hearts through our weaknesses. Just like your closest bonds with other people are often born through hardships, when you're down and a person gives of themselves and they empty themselves with love toward you when you are hurting, some of the greatest friendships that we have are born in those ways. And Jesus wants to show you how great of a friend He can be by walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death, through our sorrow or pain, through our sins. And He wants to help us to the light on the other side of, of whatever darkness we find ourselves in. When I am weak, I am strong because He is strong and He is with me. So as a new year dawns tomorrow. I guess you could say our 2018 theme um, will go into effect uh, as tomorrow begins. Uh, Chuck has mentioned this a couple times, a few times. Our, our theme for next year for the Hoover Church is love God, love people, change the world. And so much of that is is infiltrates these thoughts this morning. That we love one another enough to bear each other's burdens and to share our own burdens with them so that they can be blessed by bearing with us. And when we are together, when we build each other up, we are stronger. And when we're stronger, we can do more good. We can change the people, the hearts around us, and, our, and the place where we live, we can have a great impact. I, I know that Chuck has really uh, deliberate, meaningful plans for in, introducing and, and developing this theme next year, but, but how can these thoughts this morning help us prepare for, for that purpose? I want you to know, I, I realize hearing this sermon this morning isn't going to magically make it easier to admit your sins uh, to each other. Um, it, it's not going to alleviate the shame that you feel inside because of your struggles. But I do want you to know that there is a safe place in the body of Christ for the weary to come and lay their burdens down. You've already laid them down before Christ. He's already forgiven you of those things. And as you walk in the light with Him, he is cleansing you of those sins. But I know we still feel the weight, don't we? And I hope that you'll find in yourself and in those around you this year a way to let go of some of that weight, to let go of some of the burden, and recognize that Christ uh, has lifted it and, and is there with you, helping you carry those burdens uh, even now. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Uh, a 
upon faith, repentance, baptism. Uh, you could put on Christ today um, and begin that walk with Him. Or maybe you, you have strayed away. Maybe you, you have been walking in some of these sins. That you are no longer simply stumbling. You have embraced them and they've become a part of who you are. That, that too is, is, is not what God wants for you. Uh, Romans 6.2, how, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? I hope that if you have needs, spiritual needs, that, that you'll take care of those, whether within yourself or if you need the, the prayers or encouragement from the body of Christ today, that you, you could come forward. But whatever your need, I hope that you'll take care of it. Uh, or that you will allow Christ to take care of that burden for you. I hope that if you have a need, you'll come now and, and as we stand and sing together.